You are listening to the New Vision Church Podcast, a community to belong, be loved, and believe. Well, you can probably tell that I was outside yesterday. <laughs> My uh, forehead is giving that away. It's right? It's really loud and bright. But uh, we had a great time at the art fair yesterday, and... One of the reasons, as Trevor was saying, that we were involved in that is because we do want to be more visible in the community. We want, we want to be out there. We want people to know that our church is here, but that also that God's work is happening in and around them. You know, a lot of times um, people wonder, you know, where is God? And they ask that question because God's people are not very vocal or not very active and it's important for us to be visible and to be seen in and around us. And today we're going to look at uh, Acts chapter 17. So if you've got a Bible, you can turn there. Uh, if you don't, it'll be up on the screen in just a few moments. But we're going to kind of highlight this, this passage uh, of uh, Acts where Paul is talking on Mars Hill. Now, I like to do different things, and uh, actually, if I could have found these, um, I would have been throwing out little candy bars this morning, Mars bars. Y'all remember Mars bars? I love Mars bars, but they don't make Mars bars anymore. And yeah, so they don't make them anymore, and the Mars company has now bought up a lot of other candy bars, and so you have Milky Way, you know, which makes sense for Mars, and, uh, and you have Twix and some other, you know, candy bars like that, and I thought, well, you know, I could throw those out this morning too, but I was like, well, you know, I need to be a little more civilized, and so I didn't do it, but I want you to be thinking, yeah, I know, I know, because, um, I, I, look, I get ragged on for all kinds of different things, you know, somebody was hating on me last or two weeks ago for the clothes I was wearing, so I thought, well, you know, I better wear something a little more respectable this morning, and I should not throw out candy bars because I don't want people to think, you know, what kind of church is this? Um, but, you know, one of the other things, yes, we are very different. One of the other things that I've, I've discovered in some, um, some seminars I was watching lately, and, and this is one of the things I need for you guys to track with us on, is that, you know, um, we get to be individually unique. And God has created us, and as a church, I don't want us to be like every other cookie-cutter church. Amen. And, and God hasn't put us here to be a cookie-cutter church, right? Or a cookie-cutter candy bar, right? We're, we're not supposed to be like every other candy bar. We're probably going to be not like a Mars bar. We're probably going to be like a whatchamacallit, <laughs> okay? That's probably, that's probably more like us, right? It's like, we don't know what kind of church that is, but, you know, whatever it is, we, we love it. And I'm glad that you're here this morning. And as we look at this passage in Acts chapter 17, one of the things that we've got to understand is that we as Christians have got to be able to engage the community around us. And that community is going to look a lot different than the inside of this church even. And, and even though, you know, we're all here, we're made up of different kinds of people, we all have different kinds of beliefs even maybe, and, and, and that's great, that's fine. But I want to tell you this, outside of these walls, there is a whole other, I'm talking about other, other way of living. There's a whole other way of life that we have got to understand to some degree you have to be educated to some degree in what's going on around you and in your community and so let's look at this acts chapter 17 and uh verse number that writing is so small there i can't see what verse that is i think it's 16 
While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was deeply troubled by all the idols he saw everywhere in the city. He went to the synagogue to reason with the Jews and the God-fearing Gentiles, and he spoke daily in the public square to all who happened to be there. He also had a debate with some of the Epicurean and the Stoic philosophers. We're going to talk about what, who those people are in just a few moments. When he told them about Jesus and his resurrection, they said, What's this babbler trying to say these with these strange ideas that he's picked up? Others said, well, he seems to be preaching about some foreign gods. So they were having this debate even among themselves. Like, this guy sounds like he's just rambling on about some unknown god. This guy doesn't seem to know what he's talking about. So then they took him to the high council of the city, and they said, come and tell us about this new teaching. You are saying some rather strange things, and we want to know what it's all about. Now, I think that's kind of interesting, right? They're worshiping these false gods, these deities, and they don't think that's strange. So let that sink in for a second, okay? People say we're strange because we worship one God, and because we get up on a Sunday morning and you come to church. They think that's strange. And we're looking at, out at the world, and we're saying, I think you're a little strange, you believe that you, I mean, look, there are people out there who believe, I don't know, you, you, you probably saw this on AGT the other day, this, this girl is dressed up like a fairy, right, playing a potato pipe. It's like, you're not a fairy, okay? And, and it's okay, you know, if you want to dress like one, but you're not one. Fairies are not real. I'm sorry to bust your bubble, okay? But, but here's the thing, is that it's like out there, if you say something's weird or odd, then you're wrong. If you say, no, that's not true, then you're wrong and you're a little weird for believing in an absolute truth. You're a little weird for believing that God's word is God's word. I mean, we, people are more ready to accept something that's fiction and call it true than they are to take something that's true, right, and believe it's true. He goes on, he says, so you're speaking some rather strange things, man. You know, we need some explanation. And it should be explained that all the Athenians, as well as the foreigners in Athens, seem to spend all their time discussing the latest ideas. Water cooler talk. They're getting around, and they're just shooting the breeze about what's going on, what's the latest trend, what's, you know, what's, what's happening. You know, y'all remember back in the day, we used to have must-see TV on Thursday nights, right? Seinfeld, when Seinfeld was really popular. And so people would get together and they would talk about these kind of things on Friday morning. You know, hey, did you see that? You know, did you, see what, did you catch the latest show at, at 8 p.m. You know, on Thursday night? So Paul, standing in the council, addressed him as follows. And he said this, men of Athens, I noticed that you are very religious in every way. For as I was walking along, I saw your many shrines. And one of your altars had this inscription on it that said, to an unknown God. This God whom you worship without knowing is the one I'm telling you about. So Paul says this, I want to help you understand this God that you say you don't know. That's really cool. He goes on, he says, he is the God who made the world and everything in it. Since he is the Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in man-made temples and human hands can't serve his needs, for he has no needs. He himself gives life and breath to everything and he satisfies every need. From one man, he created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand when they, when they should rise and fall, and he determined their boundaries. So what he's saying here is God determines where you lived, how, what time you lived in, and how long you're going to live. God's in control of all that. His purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and exist. 
As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. And since this is true, we shouldn't think of God as an idol designed by craftsmen from gold or from silver or stone. God overlooked people's ignorance about these things in earlier times, but now he commands everyone everywhere to repent of their sins and to turn around or turn to him. For he has set a day for judging the world with justice by the man he has appointed, and he proved to everyone who this is by raising him from the dead. When they heard Paul speak about the resurrection of the dead, some laughed in contempt, but others said, we want to hear more about this later. That ended Paul's discussion with them. But some joined him and became believers. Among them were Dionysus, a member of the council, a woman, and a woman named Demarius, who, and others with them. So, we're going to go through this passage Rather quickly, we're going to kind of take it apart and see what kind of things we need to pay attention to from Paul's walk on Mars Hill. And the reason it's called Mars Hill, okay, you may not have known this, but the reason it's called Mars Hill is because Mars, anybody know, who is the god of Mars? He's the god of war. Okay, and so they worship these different gods, okay, and Mars was one of the gods they worshiped, and so Paul is on Mars Hill, okay, he's talking about um, Jesus, he's talking about God at this place where they worship a false god, the god of Mars, okay, and while he is there talking with them, it says, while Paul was waiting, now this is interesting to me because we need to make use of idle time, idle time Paul was waiting but what was he doing while he was waiting he was paying attention to what was going on around him it's important for us to be waiting and watching you know so anybody in here like people watching some of y'all enjoy people watching right and I'm telling you there are some strange people out there there are some strange people out there. When I was at the airport a couple weeks ago, I'm telling you, there were some strange people out there. And then I went to a stranger place called Miami, and there were some strange people down there, right? And, and, and here's the thing, is that it, when you stop for a moment and you just people watch, it won't take you long before you can figure out what those people worship, Okay? And so here is Paul. He's waiting for his, his uh, friends to show up. Okay, they, They're all on a missionary journey. And so Paul goes ahead of them. And while he's there waiting, he's not wasting his time. He's actually waiting and watching. He's paying attention to the things around them. He's noticing, hey, what is this city all about? What's going on in this city? What seems to be important to these people? This is a good question for us to ask about our own city. What seems to be important to these people? What seems to be important to our people in our communities? What seems to be important to, what, what are the greatest needs here? What is everyone really after in this place? And so it says that while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was deeply troubled by all the idols he saw everywhere in the city. So everywhere he looked, you can see these idols. And some of these idols were huge. I've been to India a few times. We're going back in November. And uh, I think it's really interesting when you go to a place like India. They have these huge, I mean, these huge monuments. In, you can see them from miles away. And, and so that's how it is for Paul here at Mars Hill. He's looking. He sees these huge statues that have been made and they're... Um, Far away, but then there's also, there's some right there. He can see them everywhere. So I want you to be thinking about this as you drive around in Fayetteville 
or in Peachtree City or in Noonan or wherever it is you're from. I want you to start paying attention and saying, what are the, what are the idols that seem to be put up here in these places? What is it that if, if somebody were to ask me, what is Fayetteville all about, what would I tell them? What, what seems to be so important here? And it says he was troubled deeply because of the idols he saw in the city. You see, Paul saw things that troubled him, and the Holy Spirit within him was moved and grieved within him. And what are you thinking about that? How often do we see something that we know it's not of God, we know it's not godly, but we don't, we're, it doesn't bother us. We just, we just go on by. Uh, there are things now, you know, and, and many of you who are, have, maybe you're on TikTok or you've got people who are on TikTok, you've seen your kids on TikTok, and there's these TikTok challenges, right? And so, as I even mentioned, you know, last week or whatever, this, this, this fire over here at Walmart, uh, they say could have been uh, started because someone was doing a TikTok challenge. And so I want you to think about that, right? It, it's like, here we are, people are seeing things that aren't right, aren't good, and yet nobody does anything about it. It's like, oh, well, you know, I just, let me just record this. Let me, let me just record this so I can get some more likes or so I can get some more hits on my TikTok channel, Right? And, and so what happens is this, is that we see things that we know are not right. We see things that we know are not good. Now, the other day, there was a thing that happened. I can't remember what Chick-fil-A this is. A uh, little shout-out for Chick-fil-A, right? Where somebody was uh, about to be kidnapped, and the Chick-fil-A worker subdued them because he was out in the parking lot, right? And instead of saying, oh, wow, let me record this so I can load it up on my channel, he actually dropped his phone, and somebody else was recording it, Right? But, but at least he got involved. At least he didn't stand by and just say, oh, wow, you know, that's a bad thing that's happening to that person. You see, there's a time when we are going to have to stop watching and get involved. We're going to have to start engaging, and that's our word for this year. We're going to have to start engaging, not just in a conversation, but engaging in what's going on around us. There are a lot of people who are just watching. And it's the Christians who need to be engaged. So I want to ask you this. When was the last time that you prayed that what bothers God bothered you? I think we ought to do that now. So let's pray. So God, we come before you this morning. And we confess that there are a lot of things that turn your stomach. There are a lot of things that you hate. There are a lot of things that bring you sorrow that God oftentimes don't bother us. It doesn't faze us. God, we can see things on TikTok or on Instagram or on TV. We can call it entertainment. And we can even take delight in it. And yet it's sinful to you. It's, it's repulsive to you. So God, we pray that you would help us to be bothered by the things that bother you. Lord, there are people who have needs, have great needs, and this breaks your heart. And Lord, we pray that what breaks your heart would also break ours. May your Holy Spirit work in us powerfully so that we might truly be the church you've called us to be 
in this community. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was deeply troubled by the idols he saw everywhere in the city. And so he went to the synagogue to reason with the Jews and the God-fearing Gentiles. And he spoke daily in the public square to all who happened to be there. Now, this is, this is really cool because this is kind of Paul's custom. He, he, when he goes to a city, he always goes to the synagogue first. He's going there to reason with the Jews and the God-fearing Gentiles. And, and by the way, a Gentile is anyone who's not a Jew. Okay, so that means all of us. So Paul would have gone into this place, and if he would have showed up here today, he would be talking to all of us about Jesus and his resurrection. But then he also does something unique, right, in this situation. He goes to the marketplace. And this is what I want you to understand this morning, is that God is at work in the sacred, but God is also at work in the secular. I don't know if you knew about this. I saw something yesterday that just blew my mind. You know who is on the top Billboard Top 100 Christian chart right now? Eminem. Eminem just released a song, and he is like the number one on the Christian Billboard chart. Yeah, I mean, some of y'all are like, what? What? Eminem, you're talking about Mars still, right? Yeah, yeah, that's like from outer space stuff. That Eminem has recorded a song and is now the top charts on Billboard. Now, I don't know if Eminem has had some kind of religious experience with Jesus or not. Maybe he's just recording music and breaking into a new demographic. But this is what we've got to understand. Is that God is at work in the sacred and in the secular. And we have got to be ready to jump onto these things so that we can have a conversation with people about Eminem. What do you think about his new song? What do you think about that? But we've also got to be careful because listen to this. Just because someone says they're Christian don't mean they're Christian. And just because someone's saying, singing words about Jesus and it sounds cool, it's awesome, that doesn't mean that it's from God. Okay? And so, here's Paul who's going out into the marketplace, right? And he understands both groups of people. We need to have people who can have a conversation with somebody outside of just talking about the Bible. So it's good for you to have interests and hobbies and other things that you can talk about with people, but then you use that as a segue to talk to them about Jesus. Because that's what we're just saying. It is. It's all about Jesus. Right? But every fisherman knows they've got to understand they've got different lures to use. If you've only got one type of tackle in your tackle box, you're only going to catch one kind of fish. Right? You got to have some different lures in your tackle box. You got you to know how to fish if you're going to be a fisher of men. All right? So learn how to use the tools that God has given you. According to J.C. Ryle, um, he was a, the first Anglican bishop that lived in uh, Liverpool in the 19th century. He said this idols met his eyes, talking about Paul, in every street. 
The temples of the idol gods and the goddesses occupied every prominent position. The magnificent statue of Minerva, at least 40 feet high, according to Pliny, towered above the Acropolis and caught the eye from every point. A vast system of idol worship overspread the whole place and thrust itself everywhere on his notice. The ancient writer uh, Pausinius expressly says that the Athenians surpassed all states in the attention where they paid to the worship of the gods. In short, the city, as the marginal reading says, was full of idols. So here is Paul, and everywhere he looks, there is idols. But this is one of the things that Paul did. He had some things he did regularly, and he had some things that he incorporated into his walk with God. So regularly, he would go to the synagogues. Regularly, he did this. In fact, if you read through Acts, some of your translations are going to say this, as was his custom. This is what Paul did on the regular. Let me ask you. Some of you have got some habits you do every day. How many of you can't? You can't even do, you can't even hardly do anything without a cup of coffee. Where are you? Okay, so you know, first thing in the morning, what, right, what are you going to do? You're going to get your coffee because you can't get your day started, right, until you get your coffee. This is a regular habit, and these are things that we work into our lives, right, and, and everybody knows that's what you're going to do. So for Paul, when he came into a city, they knew the first place he's going, synagogue. They knew that. What about you? What are, what are some spiritual habits, maybe, that you need to incorporate into your life that becomes a rhythm of your life that you start saying, you know what, whenever people know, like it's this time, you know, okay, what is the pastor, what, what is George doing today? Well, he's probably preaching, although I did get a phone call last week. <laughs> Somebody didn't realize I would be preaching at this time. And so it's like, hey, you know, there should be some things, some spiritual things in your life that you're doing regularly, right, that everybody could point out and say, yeah. Every Sunday, we, we see you leave your house. In fact, my neighbor, they, uh, they, they know that I leave. My car is a little loud. It has a, uh, a muffler system on it. And so uh, uh, at one time, my neighbor said, yeah, um, we noticed you left a little late the other day. Because <laughs> you know, uh, they said, we gauge what time we get up on Sundays by hearing your muffler. <laughs> So you got up a little late the other day. Um, so Paul deals with the Jews and the Gentiles who are in the synagogue, and then he deals with anybody that he meets in the marketplace. Paul was open to sharing the gospel with anyone, and our message should be shared wherever we are, with whomever we meet. We may have to package it differently based on the audience, okay? So that means this, is that, and I, I know we've got our friend up there in, in, at Dunkin' Donuts in Riverdale. You know, she stands there at the bus stop, and, and a lot of times she's preaching and, and praying and things like that. And I know that's not everybody, but, you know, she obviously feels like that's God's call in her life. She's going to do that, and that's great. But for you, you may, you may need to package the message in a different way. You might need to deal with some people who are not ever going to hear her, but they might hear you. And so any place, and this is what we've got to understand, is that any place is a good place to share the gospel. Any place is a good place to share the gospel. That, that you know, right now we live still in, in a somewhat free America where you can talk about God, you can talk about Jesus. But some of these places that we go to, right, we're going to India, like I said, in November. And, you know, there are some Christians who get some pushback there. And, um, you know, their, their uh, prime minister, he wants to turn the entire country Hindu, right? He's trying to push all the Christians out. 
and they are predominantly Hindu. They do have a, a few Muslim uh, groups in that in those areas, and and a, and a small Christian group in those areas. But but his goal is to get rid of everything that's not not Hindu. And so when you talk about these kind of things and understand, hey, when I go into these places, I may have to package the gospel. I may have to share the gospel in a way that is going to work in this place. It says he also had some debate with the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers. And when he told them about Jesus and his resurrection, they said, what's this babbler trying to say with these strange ideas he's picked up? Others said he seems to be preaching about some foreign gods. And so they took him to the high council of the, the city and they said, Come and tell us about this new teaching, they said. You are saying some rather strange things and we want to know what it's all about. And then in parentheses, it, it should be explained that all the Athenians as well as the foreigners in Athens seem to spend all their time discussing the latest ideas. Now, I want to give you a couple of uh, insights on the people that he was talking to, right? the Epicureans and the uh, Stoics. So here's a definition from the Oxford Dictionary about the Epicureans. I'm going to just give you the quick little, my little definition down there at the bottom. You see how simple I am, like just a few words there, mental hedonism, where they're dealing with, these are people who say, you know what, there's no anxiety, no fear. We don't want that, right? If it feels good, you just do it. This is how these people were, okay? So... I, I distilled it all down to just those few words, right? So these are the Epicureans. These are the people he's dealing with. Then you've got the Stoics, okay? So here's the definition of the Stoics. These are somewhat pantheists, okay, which means they worship all kinds of different things. I believe God is in everything, everywhere. But they also believed in keeping a stuff, stiff upper lip, meaning that, you know what, no matter what comes at you, no matter what happens to you, right, this is just part of life and you just need to move on, Right? You just handle it because it's all about bringing you to a higher knowledge or a higher understanding of God, of yourself, so you just accept it. So these are the groups of people he's dealing with. And so it's important for us that when he's dealing with these people, let's look at what he says. Does he come at them and say, hey, you know, you, you non-believing people, you, you people who are condemned to die and go to hell, does he say that? No, I think it's really interesting. He says, men of Athens, I notice that you're very religious in every way. Now think about Paul's approach here. And think about how our approach can be. That, that maybe we need to approach people differently. And instead of coming at them full force, right, in your face, and let me just tell you this. I mean, I don't like confrontation. I'm a pretty, you know... Uh, cool guy, you know, just kind of level-headed and whatever, and if you've got to confront me about something, it's far better. You're going to get a lot farther with me if you do a pat on the back instead of just in my face. Because if you get in my face, I'm probably going to shut down, or I might, you, might, you might see a different face from me than you've seen before, right? Because I'm just not like that. Some of you are what we call backdoor people, right? Let's come from around behind. Let's go through the back door and deal with these problems where some of you might be right, right in front of my face, right? Just tell me straight up. And that's okay. Regardless of what kind of person you are, Paul understands the people he's dealing with here. And instead of just coming right at their face, he says, I notice that you're really religious. You see, Paul is able to take something and turn it around and use it to his benefit. This is part of us being observant. It's part of us listening and looking for a place to insert the gospel. This is what it's all about. 
So that means that sometimes we as Christians, we've got to close our mouth, open our ears, and open our eyes. Look around, pay attention, and then don't be condemning. See, Paul doesn't come out condemning people. He actually compliments them on being really religious. This is something that Paul says, we can work with this. We can work with this. You're already religious, so, but let me help you understand you're worshiping the wrong God. You're worshiping the wrong God. You see, Paul is highlighting, not gaslighting. Right? Y'all know what gaslighting is, right? I thought I put this definition in here, but I think I left it out. But the point is this, is Paul is bringing out some good things and saying, hey, let's use this for our benefit instead of just saying, you know, and trying to manipulate people. Now, Paul is not manipulating anybody. So Paul uses their religious activity as an open door to help them see their worship is incorrect. We must look for opportunities to insert the gospel. And a lot of times people don't want to hear anything a Christian has to say. You know why? It's because a Christian never took time to listen. Look, I don't have a problem listening to what somebody else believes because I'm not afraid they're going to change my mind. I can listen all day because I'm secure in my belief. What, what, are, what are we so afraid of that we can't listen to somebody else? What, what are, why, why do we feel like we have to prove so much? Jesus said this, right? Y'all remember when, when Lazarus died and, uh, and, and the rich man was down there and he said, please send people back to tell them they don't want to come to this place. And Jesus said, they won't believe even if one raised from the dead. Why do you think somebody's going to believe you more than somebody raised from the dead? So, so maybe we just need to listen to people and let God do his work, let God's Holy Spirit move in people's lives, and then you know what? We're ready whenever God says now. Insert the gospel now. You see, Paul points out that we all worship, just not everyone is worshiping the right God. Everybody worships. They worship something or someone. Some people worship something like money or power. It's intangible, right? But you, you, you know it when you got it, right? Some people worship that. Some people may worship someone. It could be a person, an identity, or maybe even a false deity. But people worship something or someone. And there were altars everywhere because they didn't want to leave a God out. And so everywhere you looked, you saw these gods, the gods of uh, fertility, the gods of the, the agriculture, the gods of the sky, the gods of the water. You saw these gods everywhere, and because they, didn't, they were so afraid that they might forget a god, they put up this other altar to an unknown god. Because they were like, you know what, we're going to cover our bases. We're going to make sure we're not going to leave a god out because that god might really get angry at us, the one that we forgot. The one that we didn't know about. In fact, according to John Birch, who was a Welch pastor, they, there's this uh, story that goes around that around 600 years before Paul walked down the road, there had been a terrible plague in Athens, which threatened the whole city. And a Cretan poet, Ep Epidemenes, came forward with a plan. And so he took a flock of black and white sheep, and they, he let them loose in the city. And wherever the sheep laid down, it was sacrificed in that place. So if a sheep just walked right here, okay, we're going to sacrifice the sheep here. We're going to build an altar here. Sheep walked over there. Oh, okay, we're going to build an altar over there. They sacrificed it over there. And so if it laid down near a shrine where there was no other God, so, you know, there's gods were everywhere. 
And so if the God of Mars was, was over here and the sheep laid down right here, they're like, okay, this sacrifice goes to the God of Mars because it's close to that altar. But if it laid down in a place where there was no other altar, there was no other statue, no other deity, then they said this, this is where we put an altar to the unknown God because we don't know which God is laying near the, or is, is to be worshipped at this spot where the sheep laid down. It's kind of crazy how they did it. Paul says this, I know the God that you don't know. I know the God that you're trying to worship, but you don't know how to worship him. So I'm going to tell you about him. And so what he did was this, he piqued people's curiosity. Let me ask you this, does anyone get tired of listening to you? I know one thing, I get tired of hearing me on this, these things. I don't listen to myself again. Many of you probably don't like hearing your own voice. If there are times when you don't like hearing your own voice, I assure you there are probably other people who don't want to hear your voice all the time either. And so you know what that means to me? That means that sometimes we need to let other people talk. And maybe we just need to learn how to ask good questions. Just ask a question. This is one of the things that I found as an introvert. Ask somebody a question and man, they will talk. They'll talk if you ask a good question. Paul goes on and he says this, He is the God who made the world and everything in it since the Lord of heaven and earth. He doesn't live in man-made temples and human hands can't serve his needs for he has no needs. He himself gives, breath and, uh, gives life and breath to everything and he satisfies every need. From one man he created all the nations throughout the whole earth and he decided beforehand when they should rise and fall and determine the boundaries their boundaries. You see, Paul says that we all believe something. And Paul goes through and he starts with God and he acknowledges that God is the creator. He's the creator of all things. That God made his way uh, through history, right? Creating these things and controlling all things. And this is what we've got to understand in our lives is that God created you. God created you. And God has determined that you live at this point in time. And God has a plan and a purpose for you right now at this point in time. And the question is, are you doing what God wants you to do with your life? Is God first and foremost in your life? We sing that song, Jesus at the center of my life. Jesus at the center of my life. Can we truly say that? You see, Paul deals with the hedonists by saying that God satisfies all things, and he deals with the Stoics by saying that God ordains the rise and fall of all things. So God, God he, he, Paul is bringing God into this conversation with the Stoics and the Epicureans, and he's doing it in a very subtle way. And he's starting out with the Bible that we call the Bible. Okay, it wasn't finished by Paul's time. But he goes through and he starts the story with God. And he tells about who God is and how God has worked all these things. And he says, His purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward Him and find Him, though He is not far from any one of us. Listen, this morning, I want you to understand this. And if you don't hear anything else, hear this. God does not want anyone to go to hell. We believe, I believe in a physical hell. I believe in a physical heaven. And I believe that those are the only two options. It's not a place called purgatory. There's not a place where you get a second chance. I don't believe in reincarnation. You know, we were watching a movie the other night called uh, Driving in the Rain with, a, uh, what was it? I can't remember. Driving in the Rain with a dog or whatever, something like that. And at the end of that movie, the dog becomes a, a, a person. It's like, 
No. You know, the, the dog's nature does not become a person, right? And, and so these movies subtly can teach us these things that, oh, you know, reincarnation's real, or, you know, you come back and you get to do it again as something else. No, you don't. You get one chance, one shot. And whatever you do with this life, right, determines what happens in the afterlife. And if you choose Jesus, then Jesus is going to give us eternal life. If you don't choose Jesus, you know what? You're already condemned. The Bible says that. And so it's important for us to understand that God is trying to save people from going to hell. It's not my job. I don't condemn anybody to hell. Jesus is the one who's going to do that. But actually, it's not even Jesus who does it. Jesus says we're already condemned apart from him. Jesus is trying to save people. God is trying to save people. But this morning, you need to understand this, that being religious doesn't save you. Just because you go to synagogue, just because you come to church, just because you read your Bible, just because you pray, right? Paul said, I see you're really religious people, but being religious doesn't save you. Being a great thinker, man, these Epicureans, these Stoics, they were great thinkers. They sat around and talked about a lot of things. But listen, just because you're a great thinker doesn't mean you're saved. You can think your way in and out of every argument possible, but that's not going to save you. It's being a faither in Jesus. That's what saves you. So are you a faither? Or are you a faker? Because there are a lot of people who can talk the talk, but they don't walk the walk. There's a lot of people who say, oh, I've got faith, until it comes to really living out the call of God on their life. So are you a faither or are you a faker? Are you a person who's really, really put their trust in Jesus Christ? So many people get hung up on the do's and don'ts. Oh, you know, God's, the church is all about these do's and don'ts. It's not about do's and don'ts. It's about what's been done. It's about what's been done. You don't have to do anything. There's nothing you can do to save yourself. It is all about what Jesus has already done on the cross for us. And so his purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Listen, this morning, I want you to understand this. If you don't have a relationship with God, it is not by any happenstance or circumstance that you're here other than God is seeking after you. That God is saying, hey, I want you to know I am real. And today, if you will just reach out and believe, this is what this passage is telling us. That God is close and that if you would perhaps just reach out you would find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and exist. As some of, our, of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Now this is one, uh, another really interesting thing here, and I'm not saying go out and use Eminem's lyrics, you know, to witness to somebody, but, but look, if Eminem's saying something that you can use, maybe you can use it. Because Paul did it. Paul cited two of their own poets, Crescia, by Epidemides and Phenomena by Aretas. I don't even, I can't speak Greek. All right, but, but let me show you this. All right, here's, here's the, the passage. And both of these uh, poems were written to Zeus, a false god. And so what does Paul do? Paul says, huh, I'm familiar with this. So let me see if I can pull something out. So here's the one by um, uh, Epidemides. They fashioned a tomb for you, a holy and high one. Cretans, always liars, evil beasts, idle bellies. But you are not dead. You live and abide forever. For in you we live and move and have our being. Many of you have probably heard love songs. 
right? And you say, wow, I think I could use this love song to God. Because it sounds like something I want to say to God. And that's what Paul is doing here. He's saying, well, you wrote this to a false God, but you know what? I'm going to say it to the real God. And so we can take things that, that are true and we can turn it around and use it for our God. This other one by, uh, in, in Phenomena. Let us begin with Zeus, whom we mortals never leave unspoken. For every street, every marketplace is full of Zeus. Even the sea and the harbor are full of this deity. Everywhere, everyone is indebted to Zeus, for we are indeed his offspring. Paul was like, no, I'm going to tell you whose offspring you are. You're not from Zeus. Zeus ain't even real. He says, but you are from the living God, the God that I serve. That's whose offspring you are. So Paul used their own poets to reveal to them the true God. And listen to this. All truth is God's truth. Satan is a liar. And so if Satan is a liar, how can truth be in him? So any truth that you come across is God's truth. Because no truth can exist in Satan. There is an absolute truth. And if it's true now, it will be true always. And that's what makes it absolute truth. Anything that was true back when, when I was, you know a young whippersnapper in elementary school, it's still true today. Anything that was true for you yesterday, you know what? It's going to be true 100 years from now because truth doesn't change. But it is possible for non-believers to say truthful things even about God. Listen, if somebody's saying something that's true, you need to, you need to point that out. Hey, that is true. And you know, where you, you, know what, you know why that's true? Because God is true. Because God is true, that's true. His purpose was for the nations to seek after him and find their way. And then it goes on and says, We shouldn't think of God as an idol designed by craftsmen from gold or for silver or stone. You see, God doesn't need our worship. He doesn't need our sacrifices. If you think that you're created just because God needs you, you're incorrect. God created us because he loves us. And he wants us to share in his glory. But God does not need us. And he doesn't need our worship. God overlooked people's ignorance about these things in earlier times. But now he commands everyone everywhere to repent of their sins and to turn to him. The command to repent is part of this message. And I want you to understand this. That we are a church. You know, I don't, I don't mention repentance every week. But we are a church that's going to talk to you about repentance. Because repentance is important. That, that if we're going to be followers of Jesus, as I said a few weeks ago, we have to turn around, right? We've got to follow Jesus. We can't keep going our own way. We've got to turn around and go a different way. And let me say this, that ignorance is no excuse because people are being made aware of Jesus. Ignorance is no excuse. In fact, some people say, you know, what about all these people in other countries that have never heard about Jesus? Well, the Bible says this, the heavens declare his glory. Psalm 19.1. So that means this. Long before any of us are preaching, God's already preaching through his creation. So ignorance is no excuse. The, the issue, and a lot of times people say, well, what about those people? I'm going to say this. What about you? Let's not, let's not worry about all these other people yet. Let's worry about you. What do you think? Where are you in your walk with God? Because if you're so concerned about other people in other countries, maybe God would want to use you to go over there and tell them. You see, and then that shuts the conversation down. Because it's not really concerned about other people, right? Not really concerned about that. 
You see, Paul preaches a message that includes the Creator, the Lord, the Holy Spirit, man's fall, God's purpose, repentance, and the resurrection. God is judge in our impending judgment. Think about that. You want to know why a lot of churches are not filled today with a message like this? Because people want to go to a church where they're going to hear things that make them feel good. And they're not preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul doesn't pull any punches. He goes through and he says, it's all about Jesus. It's all about God. It's all about this man that died on the cross and rose again. And he finishes up with the judgment. Now, if Paul was trying to make friends, he might leave that part off. If Paul was trying to build the church, you know, and make it a, a mega church, he might say, well, let's talk about that next week. But Paul doesn't do that. He talks about the coming judgment right here, right off the bat. And this is one of the things that I need for us all to understand, is that one day there will be a judgment, and all of us will give an account to God. When they heard Paul speak about this resurrection of the dead, some laughed in contempt, but others said, we want to hear more about this later. And that ended Paul's discussion with them, and I think that's kind of funny, you know. Uh, Luke is writing this, and he just gives us a matter of fact. He says, well, you know, things kind of just stopped right then. <laughs> when Paul mentioned the judgment, everything just kind of stopped. And everybody's like, well, we'll listen to you more about this later. Some people mocked, and I want you to understand this, that when you're talking to people about God, about Jesus, about the coming judgment, there are going to be some people that are going to say, man, you're, you're out of your mind. That's never going to happen. Some people are going to say, ah, you know, you, you're just, you're one of those, right? You're a fanatic for Jesus, whatever. And the discussion may stop right there. And that's okay. So let me wrap up by saying, why does this matter to us today? Let me give you a couple of quick things. Because there is a God who is worthy of worship. And you can know him today, and he's reaching out to you. That, that what happened in Paul's situation here at Mars Hill is the same kind of thing that can be happening here today. That God is reaching out to you. And you can know him. Another reason this should matter to all of us is because we will give an account of our lives before a just judge. People say, you know, is God going to be fair? No, God's not going to be fair. He's going to be just. And I want you to understand this. You don't deal with your children fairly. You deal with them justly. You don't, you don't, you don't punish every child the same way. You don't reward every child the same way. Why is that? Because there are certain things that work differently for them. You can't treat every person the same. And so God is going to do what's right. He's going to do what's right, not what's fair. For the Christian, let me encourage you. Leave the results to God. You, you can be sharing your life. You can be sharing your testimony. You can be witnesses to somebody. You know what? And some of them are not going to believe. And some of them are going to just laugh you out of the building. Some of them are just going to turn you off immediately. And you know what? You can rest in just saying, I'm leaving the results to God. God, it's in your hands. I've done my part. It's all on you. For the Christian, preach to all, but disciple those who choose Christ. What does Paul do? Paul doesn't get hung up, and I'm guilty of this, right? Sometimes I'm like, man, you know, that one, that one negative thing. You can have ten positive things, and what are you going to focus on? The one negative. Paul doesn't do that. Paul doesn't say, oh, you know, well, all these people didn't believe, and all these people were making fun of me. No, instead he said, hey, you know, Damaris... Hey, Dionysus, you're believers. You know what? That's awesome. And I'm going to spend some time with you guys. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to disciple you. So for Christians, listen up. Don't get hung up if everybody doesn't believe. 
In fact, this is what we should expect. The Bible says that the road to destruction is wide, but the road to eternal life is narrow, and there be few that find it. So don't be discouraged if everybody doesn't believe. Be encouraged that someone did believe. Be encouraged that God has brought someone to faith. And so, finally, if there's an area where you need to repent, then repent. Paul says this. He preached repentance. And, and, and for us, all of us who are seeking to be God followers, there might be areas in your life where God might reveal something new to you to say, hey, you know what? Here's an area where you need to turn around. Here's an area where you need to repent. Because, because if you repent here, right, you repent here, God's going to use you in a greater way. And so, band, you guys come on up. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I want you to think about, God, what is it that you're trying to do in my life through this message? A little bit of a different kind of message today. But God, what is it that I need to learn from Paul's interaction on Mars Hill so that I can be more effective with the people in the sacred world as well as the secular world? God, how can I be better used by you to engage my community? And Lord, if there's an area in my life where I need to repent. God, if there's, if there's, maybe there's somebody here today who's not a follower, not a believer of Jesus, right there where you're sitting, would you just reach out knowing that he is seeking after you? He doesn't want anyone to perish, but that all should come and have everlasting life. But that life is only found in Jesus. If you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus today, let me encourage you right there where you're sitting, to just pray a simple prayer and say, Jesus, I need you. Would you forgive me of my sins and take my life and turn it around? Help me to follow you all the days of my life. And the Bible tells us this, that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Today, if you are confessing Jesus with your mouth and you're believing God raised him from the dead in your heart, the Bible says you will be saved. That's not my words. That's God's word. And so Christians, pre-believers, let me ask you, what does God want you to do with what you've heard today? Ignorance will not be an excuse now. So, Father God, we pray that your Holy Spirit would have freedom to work among us. May we respond in obedience to whatever you call us to do. In Jesus' name, amen.